You're listening to Fundraising Illuminated, a podcast where development officers, advancement services professionals, and other fundraising leaders offer their views on subjects related to fundraising. I'm your host, Erin Lynch-Moran, a partner and co-founder of The Solus Group. We are a fundraising analytics and data modeling firm. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Please be sure to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. I'm here today with Jim Zellinger, Senior Analyst at the West Point Association of Graduates, the Alumni Association for the United States Military Academy. Jim has an interesting background. After graduating from Hanover College in Indiana, he obtained an MBA from the University of Wales. He worked for a time in corporate finance before taking a job in the development office at the New School, where he later worked in institutional research. He then moved to NYU, where he directed institutional research for its Abu Dhabi campus. Perhaps these varied roles and locations gave Jim his unique talent for meeting people where they are. Jim has made it his mission to help his colleagues access and understand the information that drives their work. I sat down with Jim to talk about his strategies for helping people feel more comfortable and less intimidated about technology. You and I have talked a little bit about your interest in creating data literacy across the organization. How do you know when you have accomplished? I think it's sort of never done. Like that work is never done because the structures of data and how we use data continually evolves. Mm-hmm. Someone may have years ago gotten really familiar with reports that they see in Excel that are table-based and may have a chart, may not have a chart. But they're, you know, technically very literate with that tool. And then something like Tableau comes along or, you know, Power BI or other BI tools, and they may not know what they're looking at. When I think about that concept, one of the things that I think hinges on it is having people really understand the origins of the data and how to sort of contextualize the relative truthiness, so to speak, of the data. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that can happen, you know, in your local database without really even thinking about it. You know, you're, you're going through a certain field and it's pulling certain things and you, and it ends up bucketing that person in with a group that you know, it may not be associated at all. And from an online perspective, I can't even imagine how much data is being collected on each and every one of us. And if you are searching for a mattress one day for the next six months, you're going to see ads for mattresses. Even though you may have purchased one the day after you look for one, there's not an easy way to say, no, I'm covered there. Yeah. Yeah. And and we're always doing such a valiant effort. When we work with alumni and donor data, I think we're always doing our best to capture as much as we can about people because we want them to have good experiences in interacting with the college and whatnot. We want to be able to make sure that our development officers are successful. But in the process, sometimes the the issue of, of collection and evaluation of data becomes kind of interesting. Yeah, I think definitely. And the breadth of data, and we do have a lot more than we used to, No question. And there are certain things that are becoming more and more correlated with giving or with participation in some form that we want to collect. We want to make sure that we have. The trick there, though, I think, is the organization of the data and 
how we structure it so that when we do pull it out, we are getting fewer and fewer of those missed connections, that we're really developing the connections that make sense and that people are being grouped in the right ways. There are some really great ways that people are developing to do that. The way engagement scoring has really been far more prominent, which is the way that FICO scores have always been sort of developed to evaluate your ability to pay off a loan or to have decent financial wherewithal, those things can really make a difference. You know, when you are consolidating a lot of information into a score and then being able to pull little individual pieces from that score to find out how much they're really affecting performance going forward, I think there's certainly some exciting breakthroughs mm -hmm. in those areas that are, that are definitely helpful. Yeah. If a development officer is looking at two different people to call and the engagement score for one is... 25 points higher, you know that you've got, you know, that person's probably going to pick up your call and they're probably going to talk to you and they're probably going to be interested. And before you didn't have that option, right? You know, you were staring at two different phone numbers and taking a guess. I'm sure that you have found that not everybody that you're working with, you know, and this is true of any organization, that not everybody interprets information the same way, not everybody consumes information the same way or relies on it the same way. How do you make sure? that the information that you're delivering is being consumed to the degree that people will find benefit from it? And how are you helping them kind of adopt the tools that you're delivering? I think the trick, or at least what I've learned over the years, is that there are so many different types of users. Mm -hmm. There are people that are really excited about new things. There are people that are not at all excited about new things. People that are skeptical about what you might be trying to provide, people that have been in organizations for a long time that are very set in their ways. And when you're trying to develop new reports or new tools for them to interact with, you have to be very cognizant of where you're meeting them. I think you really have to know where they are in their sort of life cycle of the job mm -hmm. and life cycle of data understanding before you try to address them. I've seen innumerate dashboards that are so over-engineered. And as soon as someone sees them, they, you can almost see them back up mm -hmm. and recoil. Like, this is not what I'm used to. Right. Or this is not something I've seen before. And this feels like a lot of work. Yeah. Even if you are combining 10 of their reports into one beautiful dashboard, you know, that just may not be where they are. Mm -hmm. So, and, and oftentimes the goals that are set for people that are working in my business, you know, around BI are about what the tool can do. Right. And you can check off every piece of that. You can say this tool does this and it does this and it does this and it does this, but no one may be using it. Instead of setting the goal as to how, how often do people actually use this thing? Mm -hmm. Do people open it every day? Do they open it every week? Have they never opened it? You know, how much breadth do you have one person that uses it all the time? And then the other six people on their team have never looked at it before. And that is really on the person developing mm -hmm. to figure out. That tendency to over-engineer is deeply embedded in a lot of us. So once you see the new tool, you really get to know it well. You see that you can say you can combine so many reports yeah. into just a really elegant solution. But if no one uses it, it doesn't matter. Right. It, you know, it just it just doesn't really matter how beautiful it is. You really need people to look at it. 
And I've even taken situations where I'll make something that could probably be done in two visuals and I'll present it in eight, you know, that I'll spread it out, make it very simple. I'll even have, you know, situations where I'll have it sorted one way on one tab and sorted a different way in another tab, even though someone could do that in the tab themselves. Right. Or, or we could create a system for them to do that. It matches what they've seen before. Yep. And I want to meet them there first. And then ideally provide them with a couple of little things that they may not have had before, just very small things, whether it be a filter, a sort, you know, color changes, a small graphic that will just lead them gently into what the tool can provide. And that's sort of the first step of an introduction. And some people will say, great, this is fantastic. I'm going to jump right in and they go. Other people, it may take them a little while, but they're used to seeing it. It's recognizable. I have to tell you, I admire that so much. It's a very selfless way of approaching it because, of course, the temptation when you're technically gifted is to want to knock people's socks off, <laughs> you know, and just yes. do this amazing. But that's really thoughtful and I think respectful of the people that you're trying to serve because at the end of the day, you're right. If people shut down because they don't envision themselves using this thing, then you basically have failed or at least you've wasted your time. Yeah. It is incredibly tempting to go overboard and to take something that works really well and is good. And then because it's being used and people like it, that you keep adding to it. Right. And then it becomes some monster. Right. That's really difficult to control. And once you start looking at permissions and rights and things like that, then it's become just a monolith. I like the ones that are very clear, that meet the user where they are, and that they can grow into, you know, to the point at which they'll ask you, what else can we do? Once you hit that moment, once they say, okay, I've got this, this makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Can I see it like this? Then you've kind of got them hooked. Then you're like, okay, yes, we can do that. And let's take it a step further and make it graphical instead of a table or add these different highlights or add ranking to something or, and then you start to bring in the visual, you know, more of the visual aspects that all the BI tools have now that for a lot of people, I think more so than, than not really will engage with and will learn from quickly. Even though they've been used to, you know, something like an Excel or some other sort of spreadsheet view, they pretty quickly will adapt to a visual that will tell them the same thing. And then once you start to add different tool tips mm -hmm. that are giving them another level, they're like, oh, I can hover over this and it's going to show me all of the detail inside. Yes, you can do that. People get very excited about that. And then you've really got them. Yeah. You've really got them. And you can move on from there to the things that are a little bit more complex. The end goal is always to provide the greatest level of information in the most you know readable and elegant way. I love that. Have you found that you've brought somebody along that you didn't expect? Like, do you have colleagues that have come a long way? My favorite are the people that are set in their ways. They have a certain way to do it. And... That's the way they're going to operate. And if they've been around long enough, they have a proven method and they do a lot of things that I wouldn't want to do 
Like that's just not my forte. But if you can bring them in, it's really, really satisfying. Yeah. Like it's incredibly satisfying. One of the reports that we've recently worked on is just replacing a more so a process where we would just show a list of how many days since they've contacted a particular person. Mm -hmm. They'll pick it up and they'll say, oh, you know, these people are past 45 days. I need to reach out. Um, Like those things are really satisfying, I think, because first and foremost, it's something that gets used every day. Mm -hmm. And when you get a call and says, wait a minute, something's not right. You know, you want those calls to say that this isn't right. You know, they're looking at your data then. Right. And they're on top of it enough to know that that's a really good feeling because they're working through with the data that you provide. Yeah. That's when you know that it's become integrated, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Once you go beyond getting those people in, Mm -hmm. right? There's on the internal side, from, from a data perspective, there almost always is a bottleneck between the people that are writing reports and those that demand reports. And that bottleneck, I feel like, has always existed. So one of the other things that I like to try to do, if I can, if you see those people that just have that little spark in their eye and they really are leaning in when you're looking at you know new data, that you can develop more self-service reports for them and show them that that simple question that you asked a week ago, you could have answered that yourself by doing this process. And then you build out A, B, and C, you know, for them and show them how they could have done that themselves. I think once you gain that interest and once you gain that level of desire to actually get into the data, that will serve to alleviate some of the bottleneck Mm -hmm. because the bottleneck includes the easy questions along with the hard questions, along with the middle questions, like all of those, right? right? And you're giving someone an opportunity to get more in touch with the data, to increase their literacy, to understand how things are being put in the system so that they're not just a recipient. They're actually involved in in the development and taking some of the weight off of that bottleneck by being able to answer their own questions. And even if they get in and aren't answering all the questions that they want answers to, they're learning enough about it so they can ask questions in a way that makes it very clear for the people that are working to develop the tools because the communication between those two groups has to be bulletproof when someone from development is asking for, I need to know this about this donor. You need to know exactly what fields that equates to. Right. Or or you end up with a long-term back and forth about, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you meant this. And no, I actually mean this. And oh, do you need the deceased in in here or not in here? You need to, you know, do you need the full history back to the 1800s or do you (laughs) want the last 12 months? It ends up being this weird back and forth where if someone does have a decent amount of data literacy, their questions get so much clearer and so much easier to understand. And it helps both sides. So you can, you know, create that report quicker, more accurate, less back and forth. Yeah. So that that part of data literacy, you know, really understanding the sources, seeing the sources for what they are, looking at them sort of in raw form, pick a very prolific donor and look at their record and what their history looks like and what their demographic information looks like 
then the light always switches because some people feel like it's just not their thing or it's not something that they understand. But I feel like people understand a lot more than they give themselves credit for once they see the backend data. That's really smart. I never would have thought of it in terms of showing people the actual columns and column headers, but that I think gets to something that I think it teaches people something that otherwise I think you struggle with when you're a service provider, which is the fundamental concept that everything starts with data that is either in or not in the database. You know what I mean? And so some questions can't be answered or can't be answered um, accurately because of what's what may not be available to you. And I think that can be really helpful to have people kind of understand what actually is in there and therefore what's not, you know? Right, right. Yeah, we are definitely living in a time when there is a lot of data around. Yeah. You can't assume that it's all there. You can't assume that. And with the visualization component that's been, you know, it makes it so easy for people to see. Yeah. You know, it's so easy to see the trends. It's so easy to see where we may be missing something or areas we need more attention or areas that are doing better than we thought, just visually. And that goes all the way up to senior leadership because the senior leadership are unlikely to get in and do the real digging around part. Right. Um, so providing them with these really strong visual pieces that show very clearly where we are right now. And then you move into, you know, predictive and then prescriptive and they can embrace it. They can certainly embrace those things. Right. Yeah. And the visuals, they, they do such an amazing job of communicating so fast everything that you need to know. Like that's the thing that just blows my mind is how you can look at a visualization and if it's done well, you almost instantly understand the whole picture that you're looking at. Whereas when you, when I'm looking at spreadsheets, it takes me a while to kind of orient myself to it and figure out what it is that I'm seeing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many people are used to spreadsheets mm -hmm. and have been able to use their own little tricks and tips to, to figure out what is important there. And some are incredibly sophisticated, yeah. but a good visual will always sort of win out when you need to know something and you need to know it quickly. Yeah. Um, I think the real benefit too, more recently, is that the way that the BI tools connect to the source data and the refresh schedules and how you maintain that part of it, that you're not rerunning things. You know, like historically, you've always had to rerun this. And, and people ask me that today. Can you rerun that for me? <laughs> and I'll say, well, no, actually, it's, it's there. You just open it up. Yeah. It'll... It'll pull the new data in all by itself. It's automated, which, you know, builds a huge amount of capacity for people that are both, one, waiting for data to be rerun, right? you know, which doesn't have to be, and the people that would normally have had to run data over and over again. Yes. Um, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I think in the last few, I mean, well, it's probably last decade or so, but it's really, you know, as, as we've talked about, the promise has always been these things that run automatically every five minutes and that you have refreshed data, you know, and it always just pops up on your screen and you get all the alerts and everything. While that's possible in a lot of cases, it's not as exactly <laughs> as it was explained to us. Yeah. But we are getting far closer to that. I think we are, like, in the last five or so years, gotten much closer to the cleanly refreshed views that people can visit daily or 
you know, more frequently than that and see where these things are going, see what trends are happening, see what things need attention, which things don't need so much attention. And it makes the jobs of the people who would normally be consigned to quote unquote refreshing things all the time. It yes. makes their jobs so much more interesting because those are people who they're bright or they wouldn't be in that role. And yet those jobs where you're basically rerunning the same request, are, those can be very dull tasks. And now they can use that brain power on something more. Yeah. Thinking. Yeah. Because you, right. And you're talking about building capacity, right? Mm -hmm. So you're building capacity of the office to gain more insights because you take those people that did that before, right? That would have to take out, you know, whatever, a day out of their week to rerun things. Mm -hmm. They're able to jump on new reports in the queue, which can alert senior leadership, which can alert other people. Those are the exciting little parts to it, you know, when you get to ferret out those new things. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Jim. This has been really great. We really appreciate having you on. And I'm hopeful that this will inspire a lot of people to think about how they can be truly customer focused, the BI that they're developing. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Fundraising Illuminated. We hope you'll join us for more engaging conversations on development topics. This podcast is produced by the Solus Group, a proud Tableau partner and fundraising analytics firm. At Solus, we take the stress out of fundraising by helping our clients find their best prospects, manage their portfolios proactively, and make sure they take advantage of fundraising opportunities through the use of analytics tools. If you'd like to be a guest on Fundraising Illuminated, or if you'd like to share your thoughts on what our guests have to say, please visit our website at www thesolusgroup.com and click on the link that says podcast. Thank you again for joining us and have a great rest of your day.